It's an absolute delight to be part of your worship this morning, and especially representing Avondale College. Allow me for a moment to thank you as a congregation for your support of our premier training institution in the South Pacific Division. And I know many of you do that with your prayers. You also do that with your financial resources. And in the space that I'm in charge with at the seminary, as the ministry, ministry practicum director for the seminary, we've appreciated very much the time and the space given to our students who come here every semester to be mentored, to be supervised, to be exposed to pastoral ministry in the context of the local church. Grateful to uh, your pastors, but many of you uh, who are able to give assistance in ensuring that we have an ongoing uh, ministry for the church uh, in this part of the world. Let me tell you one of the activities that we do, uh, and it's supported by many of you. I know over the years, many of you have contributed to the Avondale Ministerial Training Scholarship Fund. With that fund, we're able to provide unique opportunities for our students to travel outside of Australia to other parts of the Pacific. Uh, where they can be exposed to cross-cultural ministry, usually but not always in the area of public evangelism. Just this last July, Dr. Cale Dewell, the head of the seminary, and myself, plus 12 of our senior students were able to travel to Fiji, to the west of Viti Level. And I know some of you have served uh, in the islands of Fiji. What you're seeing on the screen is a team of 12 students who were spread out over seven different sites in the district of Lautoka. Lautoka is about 35 minutes uh, on the other side of Nandi. Now, you would know Nandi as the main hub for flying into the central Pacific region. And so just about 35 minutes outside of Nandi, about... Uh, ten minutes out from the airport, uh, you have Fulton College. We were able to stay on the Fulton College campus, and this particular picture is taken uh, on that new campus at Sambeto, uh, at Nandi. But about 35 minutes outside of the Fulton campus, uh, we would travel over two and a half weeks every day uh, in the morning to work with the local teams uh, to do debriefing, uh, to prepare our students for their preaching in the evenings. And then we would go back in the evenings. <clears throat> we would take them to seven different sites in the district of Lotoka. And over uh, a period of two and a half weeks, uh, we preach the gospel. We preach our Adventist doctrines. And I'm happy to report to you as a church that on the 28th of the month, that was last month in July, on the 28th of last month, we had a combined baptism on the Fulton campus and uh, with the blessings of God and with our partnership with the local pastors and lay leaders, we were able to baptize 107 people 
from this campaign that was led out by our students and faculty from Avondale College. Here's just one of our senior students, Shosi uh, Rimoni, preaching in one of our sites uh, in the main uh, church, uh, the city of Lautoka, the Lautoka Central Church. Uh, we had uh, Karen uh, Greenwood, uh, who also preached, uh, again, one of the 12 students. And then, of course, uh, the highlight for all of us uh, was this baptism. And you can see here Dr. Cale Dewell and one of the young persons uh, that was baptized on the Sabbath of July 28th. Again, I want to thank you uh, as a congregation, as a community of faith, uh, for your support not only for our institution, uh, Avondale College, for the support of the seminary, but also your specific support uh, to the program that we have here to prepare ministers uh, for the gospel uh, in the South Pacific uh, region. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for worship. It's an opportunity where we can come uh, to uh, acknowledge you as the creator, uh, as the uh, savior and lord of mankind. But we also come to listen to you as you speak to us uh, from your word. And this morning, as we reflect on the written word, pray that you will open our minds so that we can see new insights and bless us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to come with me to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. In fact, worship is where we encounter uh, Christ in the pages of Scripture. And so we will spend time this morning... Uh, in the fourth chapter of the Gospel uh, of John. I have entitled our message for this morning, Mission is Now. Mission is Now. We're looking here to the first three verses of John chapter 4. I want you to do something for me, and perhaps you can even mark your Bible. But you know that as you look at Scripture one of the tools of trying to find a depth and meaning to what we read uh, in Scripture is to look for repetitions. And as we look at these three verses, John chapter 4, verse 1 to 3, and if you haven't done it with your own Bible, uh, I want you to pick out the word baptizing and also the word disciples in the plural. And you see it repeated here in these few verses. I'm reading to you from the NIV. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Can I submit to you this morning... And we're looking here at this passage, John chapter 4, that the subject matter of John chapter 4 is discipleship. I rejoice this morning together with you in the realization that as a movement, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that as a region of the world church in the South Pacific Division, we have accepted the gospel commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. We have accepted the gospel commission as our mission as well. And our mission, simply put, 
is to make disciples of all people. It's an interesting way to start a chapter. Now let me also direct your attention to the use of the conjunction now. So the verse starts, now Jesus learned. Now connects us to the previous chapter. And I'm referring you now to chapter 3, John chapter 3. But if you look at verse 22 and 36. Again, I want to, to, to capture uh, the reason why I think the conjunction now is very important in the beginning of this chapter. Now connects us to chapter 3. And when we go to chapter 3 verse 22, we are placed in the southern part of Palestine, in the region of Judea. If you look at verse 36, it connects us to something else that will be developed by John in the fourth chapter. And that is Jesus Christ is eternal life. With that, I want you now to follow with me. I just want to pick up on the three things that we can think about in our worship together this morning. Now, you are familiar with this map of Palestine in the time of Christ. You're also familiar that there are three regions of Palestine at this time. To the north, you have Galilee. To the south, you have Judea. And then, of course, in the middle, you have the region of Samaria. So when we're reading chapter 3 of John, we know that Jesus and the disciples were in the south of Palestine. They were in Judea. But then they were heading north to the region of Galilee. Now you're also familiar that the main route from the south to the north, or if you're traveling from the north to the south, you would follow the highway, which runs parallel to the river Jordan. But something is special and something is different about this trip. And that is Jesus' trip with his disciples from Judea to, to Galilee to the north. Because the Bible tells us, and I'm going to refer you now to a couple of verses which I think it's very important uh, in our reading. Now if you come with me, so when we're reading chapter 4 verse 1 to 3, we are given this overview on discipleship. That Jesus' mission is about the making of disciples. And part of the process of making disciples, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, church this morning, is the fact that you baptized. And as I said, I rejoice in your support and the blessings of God that when this trip of 12 students and a couple of lecturers went to Fiji last month. We were able to baptize 107 people. But come back to our text for this morning. So as Jesus and the disciples were living the south and heading to the north. I want you to look at the text. And you see the text on the screen. We're looking at verse 4 and verse 5. But verse 4 in particular makes this point. Now, again, it's a conjunction. It's a joining word. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Keep in mind that the normal route to the north is following the highway next to the river Jordan. But somehow, if you go back to the map that I uh, put up on the screen for you, if you go back to this map, so here's the normal highway to the north. 
But Jesus decided on this occasion to do a detour, if you may. To go up to these highlands. To go to the region of Samaria. And we ask ourselves the question, why did Jesus went out of his way? What was the purpose of the detour? Why did he have to go through this territory, which sometimes is referred to as a territory that doesn't welcome Jews? Here's my first point this morning, uh, church. And I want you to pick up what I think the text is trying to say to us. And we know this is true not only in Jesus' ministry when he was here on earth. But the Bible in terms of this particular passage makes this point one more time. That Jesus will go out of his way in order to find us. Jesus had to make a detour according to the text. He had to go through the region of Samaria. Why? Because that's the nature of God. God is in the business of search and rescue. Jesus was intentional on this occasion. Because somewhere over there was someone who needs salvation, eternal life. That's the business uh, of Christ. I also find it very interesting as we're reflecting on this point. That Jesus will go out of his way to find us. That when you're looking at the text, when you're looking at verse 9, for example, and I submit to you, the fact that Jesus came to this spot at the middle of the day was not accidental. And in a way, I kind of understand growing up in the tropics. You know, people in the tropics would wake up early in the morning. And if you were to do what this lady did on this occasion, and that is to fetch water from a well, you know that this, number one, was the work of women and the children. Number two, you would never go to the well at the middle of the day. That was when people would have a siesta, if you may. This was a time to rest because it was warm and hot. And yet Jesus timed his visit to this spot to meet somebody that was in a search for life eternal. Now, I know in our congregation this morning, I know there are regular members. But I also assume that it is possible for somebody else who be may visiting here or perhaps tuning in to our broadcast this morning. And may be searching for something better. Here is a message of assurance for all of us. Jesus will go out of his way to find us. What do you say? I want us to move to the middle uh, of the chapter. And again, our focus is not so much on the woman. Our focus is on uh, Jesus. And so in the conversation that Jesus had with the woman here at the well... Listen not to the conversation. Let's pay attention to the conversation. And we're looking, and again, it's the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. I'm going to read uh, for you from the NIV, but you can check it out uh, with your own Bibles. Jesus answered, 
Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We continue reading in verse 15. Now can you imagine in verse 14, Jesus makes this, this offer. Woman, if only you know, if only you are aware of this water that you can have access to today. If you only knew of that water. And then at the end of that offer in verse 15, you see the woman coming back. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. What a response to the greatest gift ever. And I'm talking about Jesus Christ. Can I give you a perspective which connects us again to the previous chapter, to verse 36. That when Jesus was talking eternal life, Jesus was talking about himself. Jesus was saying, you've been looking for the Messiah, but he's right here in front of you. And when you have him, you will have eternal life that will well up in you into water that will satisfy you for every day of your life. Church and our guests this morning, perhaps you and I, like the woman, we have been searching for something better. But today, in the pages of Scripture, we can have an encounter with Jesus, whom to know is to have eternal life. Can I also suggest to you, as we're looking at this offer of a Jesus, that this gift can be accessed right now. It is a, an offer available to us today through faith. And by the way, faith is also a gift of God. It is a, a tool, if you may. It is the channel whereby we can receive the benefits of life eternal in Jesus Christ. I don't know what your journey was like for this week, but I know that we all live busy lives. We know that there are many demands on us, but this morning as we confront, as we encounter Jesus at this spot, perhaps it is here that when we leave today, we can live with the assurance of life eternal because Jesus is offering that to us, not tomorrow, but this morning, right now. It is available. Eternal life is indeed a present reality. So what have we learned so far this morning? Number one, we've learned that Jesus will go out of his way. Jesus left his glory and came to this world so that he can find us. Then as we continue our reflection on the same passage, we also discover that Jesus is a gift of God available to us. And when we have Jesus in our lives, the benefits are here for eternity. Now let's fast forward towards the end of the story because this is where I want to 
put my emphasis for our worship today. So while Jesus and the woman were in a conversation about the things of God, eternal life, the disciples were in the town, perhaps trying to find lunch for them. So they're coming back to the well. And when they came back, you would imagine that they would offer their master, they would offer their teacher a lunch. But notice the response of Jesus. Here was his response. We're looking at verse 34 uh, and 35. Again, you have it on the screen. But let me read to you from the NIV. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. 35. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Now, this was Jesus' response to food. Now, by the way, I know it's that time of the day that some of us may be thinking of a food as well. And yet Jesus takes the conversation to another level by saying to the disciples, I know you're concerned about my well-being. And thank you for bringing me lunch. But let me tell you, there's something that is more important than lunch. In the words of Jesus, this thing which is important is to do the will of my Father. And finally, to finish His work. Why don't you shift your eyes from verse 34 to 35, if you may. Now, I'm going to imagine, I'm going to imagine that surrounding this well, at this particular point in time, were green fields of wheat, perhaps not yet ready for the harvest. And so as Jesus and the disciples were talking, by this time, the Samaritan woman had left, and he went into the town and told her people the story about the man who offered her eternal life. Now just imagine in your mind, church, this morning, so as Jesus and the disciples are talking about food, as they were surrounded by green fields of wheat, somewhere over there, just over the hill, Jesus could see a multitude of people coming to the well. Now can you hear the voice of a Jesus talking to the disciples, but also looking at the multitude of people and being aware of the surroundings of the well. He said, I know you're saying to yourselves, four more months and then these fields will be ready. And then looking to the eyes of the disciples, he said, no, it's not four more months. He's saying, the fields are ready. The harvest is ripe. Now this morning I rejoice. I rejoice in the ministry that Dr. John Cox and others are doing. Visiting public schools in the area, sharing scripture. But here is our invitation. Because mission is now. Let me tell you what I think these two verses, 34 and 35, is saying to us as a congregation. Mission in the eyes of Jesus. And mission in the context of this story, it's about searching for the outcast. It's about searching for the marginalized 
in our society. And may I also suggest searching for immigrants and foreigners. Jesus crossed into a different territory, into a different culture. He went outside of his comfort zone. And perhaps he is saying to us today, time to get out of our comfort zone. Time to talk to someone that is different. Time to be aware even of our situation here in Morissette and Curran Jesus is inviting us as a church for mission. And that, I think, is our task this morning. Notice the change of the scenes. You say former months because you can see that the fields are green. But I say to you, it's kind of prophetic, but I think it also puts the emphasis on the present. Jesus is saying, no, it's not tomorrow. It's right now. The fields are ready for us. May I this morning invite this congregation, and this congregation includes me and those of you who are viewing our broadcast from elsewhere. Jesus came to this world because he knows there are people who are searching. Jesus is offering us eternal life, but more importantly for us, as we close our worship this morning, Jesus is inviting us to be part of his mission to make disciples of all nations. Now it's interesting as I'm closing this morning, it's interesting as we've looked at the beginning of the chapter. Chapter 4 starts with an overview of discipleship, baptism, and it finished on the same kind of emphasis. We're looking at 39 and 41. Let me read to you as we close. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What an unlikely disciple. But this gives us an opening to say it doesn't matter who you are. You too can be part of the mission of God. He told them, and then in 41, and because of his words, many more became believers. Now, if you read verse 40, Jesus actually stayed in Samaria for two days. But here's my point. Jesus is inviting us. Jesus wants us to be part of his mission. And what's his mission? To make disciples of all people. With that, this morning, let me invite you as a congregation. We will stand together and we will sing as we close. Our hymn for this morning, O Master, let me walk with thee. But as we're singing this morning, just want to invite you. Would you as a follower of Christ, would you as a follower of Christ in your own heart say, I am willing I am willing to pray for the mission of a Jesus. Would you in your own heart this morning as a congregation say, I am willing to commit my resources to the mission of a Jesus. Or perhaps, are you willing this morning to commit yourself to be involved in that mission? You don't need to go to Fiji like we did last month. Right here in Kurenbong, right here in Morissette, God can use us 
for his mission.